Welcome to the Author Blur Podcast. Here, we're here to connect readers and authors so that the readers, you, can find that book or that author you're going to love. So I appreciate you being here. Get ready. Enjoy the show. Enjoy knowing the authors. And remember, subscribe. Tell people about the show. And Go buy the author's books, because if you like listening to them and you think they're interesting, they're going to love hearing from you. Welcome to Author Blur Podcast, where I'm talking with Charles Salzberg. And Charles, from the information you've given me about you, from what I've looked at on your website, you have a nice selection of books that you've written. You were a magazine writer, reporter. I always get that messed up. Is it reporter in a magazine or is it a writer? You know, it usually it's a, a referred to as a, a magazine journalist, but both of those <laughs> are fine. Both of those are right. We're writers and we do report. I, I think less reporter because I think of a newspaper trained um, writer and right. uh, I wasn't trained for anything. <laughs> I, I understand that feeling all too well. So, Charles, I appreciate you being on. Can you tell everyone a little bit about yourself, about some of your books, and then we can dig into learning more about what you've written? Sure. Um, everything in my life has been an accident and uh, a result of um, learning very early never to say no to anything, say yes to anything. So I graduated college with an English major, which prepared me for nothing. And I went to um, law school for a year, which I hated every minute of it. I knew that from the first day I was going to leave after a year, but I paid for it, so I stayed. And um, after trying to figure out what to do, a friend said, um, well, you're an English major. <clears throat> you like words. You read. You write. <clears throat> um, how about becoming a magazine writer? And as a matter of fact, I know of a job in the mailroom at New York Magazine. Uh, maybe you can... And they say you can work your way up to become an editor. So I said yes, thinking I'd be an editor. And um, I got a job in the mailroom at New York Magazine in the heyday of um, Clay Felker, who really invented the city magazines. Before he started New York, um, there were no such things as a city magazine. And practically every even middle-sized city has, has one now. Mm -hmm. uh, and I learned... The first thing I learned was that I did not want to be a magazine editor because they worked really hard, long hours. They never got out of the office. But I noticed that the writers, would, they'd sort of wander in around 10, 1030 in the morning and they'd smoke cigarettes. Those were the days when you could smoke in the <laughs> office. Right. They uh, talk to the on the phone, talk to the other editors. And around noon, they'd leave. And around 233 o'clock, you get this sort of odor of alcohol coming back <laughs> from lunch. And the, those were the writers returning from lunch. Right. They do the same thing. And they leave at four. So I said, well, that's the job I want, you know, because they, <laughs> didn't, they didn't have to wear, wear a tie or jacket. Or, and um, not having ever written a magazine article, but being a fan of magazines. So um, I, I talked them into giving me an assignment, um, but not... If they didn't like it, they weren't going to pay me. It's called on spec. And sure enough, they they liked it. Um, another place bought it, and then they gave me another assignment. So after three months, I left. 
and to become a freelance writer it was really dumb. But you know, when you're young, you don't think about those things. You know, I should have yep. waited until I had some money saved up. And so that's how it started. And, and slowly it, it changed. Someone would ask me, can I write book reviews? And I'd say, no, but I'll give it a try. And so I got into writing book reviews and I was doing um, uh, a lot of celebrity profiles because I thought they were going to eat be easy, but they weren't. So I do cover stories for a lot of these women's magazines, like on John Travolta and Meg Ryan and uh, all these people who didn't want to be interviewed, like Kevin Klein. Um, and from there, it just segued. Someone asked me, um, would I ghostwrite a book? And I did a book on fashion, which I knew men's fashion, which I knew nothing about. So that's the way my, my career um, progressed. And even teaching, I had no intention of teaching magazine writing or any other kind of writing and someone asked me and I said well okay I'll try it and so that's pretty much what got us here today but <laughs> the turning point was I did start to make a living as a nonfiction writer uh, a magazine journalist and only because I had a really low rent and which was kind of my subsidy and um, I always wanted to write fiction though that's what I wanted to write from from the from the gun and uh, but I realized I couldn't make a living at it. But I wrote this novel, uh, which was kind of a literary detective novel. And at the end, the the um, detective, in this case, a skip tracer, um, doesn't solve the crime. The, the reader finds out who did the crime, but the but the detective doesn't solve it. He follows all these clues and takes them halfway across the world. But he doesn't get the answer. And um, I sent it to agents and editors, and they all said, we really like the writing, but um, fans of this genre won't stand for that. You, you have to change the ending. And so I was young and principled, and I thought, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna change it just for that. So I put it away. Right. I had this career, and I happened to stumble across the manuscript, and I reread it, and I thought, this is pretty good. Maybe, maybe the world has changed. Maybe I can get a book published that where the, you know, where it doesn't turn out the way people want it to turn out. And by that time, I had done a lot of books, but they were nonfiction. So I knew editors. So I gave it to an editor at a house, and he said, I really like this book. We'd publish it, except not with this ending. So I said, I'll change the ending. So what I learned in 20 or 25 years was to sell out. So I... I, I changed the ending. The name of the book was Swan's Last Song, and it was a detective novel, but a literary detective novel. I thought I'd never write another one. And I wound up, I woke up one morning, and there's an email that I was nominated for the Seamus Award. I didn't even know what it was. It's given out to the best detective novel, short stories. Mm -hmm. And so I, I researched it, and I thought, this looks pretty cool, and I lost. And um, I got really pissed off, and I said, I'm going to keep writing these things until I win something. <laughs> and then I got hooked. I, I just loved the form because I could write anything I want on any subject and somehow fit a crime into it. Uh, and I decided early on not to do murder mysteries. So mine aren't the traditional, you know, some, there's a dead body, who did it, let's bring the person to justice. Most right. of them concern other kinds of crimes. So that's pretty much takes us up to now. But I'd say about 15 years now, all I've written is um, crime novels or crime stories. 
other than an occasional magazine article if someone asks me to do it. So now I just concentrate on fiction. Okay. Now I know you've written some sports books. You've written crime and other fictions. What? So it sounds like you enjoy the fiction writing a whole lot better. What? What type of crime stories do you actually dig into? Since you said you don't do murder. Sometimes there's a murder that sets off the that happens before the book starts. Like there's a book um, called Devil in the Hole. And Devil in the Hole is based on a true crime. But I changed uh, um, a, a lot of stuff. And so the murder takes place before the book starts, but there's not another murder in it. It's more about finding the person who did it, which was a father who murdered his entire family, his wife, his three teenage kids, his mother and the family dog and disappeared. But he gave himself a, a, almost a month's head start by what he did. Um, he, you know, he kept all the lights on in the house. He stopped the mail. He called the school um, and said the kids will be away for two or three weeks visiting relatives. And so that that story stayed with me, and I uh, and I thought of a way to make it into a novel. So um, the and I really enjoy writing novels, as I said, because you, writing crime novels, you can write about anything. So mm -hmm. I have one I have one um, Swan book called Swan Dives In, where you don't know what the crime is till halfway through the book, and by the end of the book, you're not even sure there was a crime, and that book. Um, focuses on the world of rare books, of signed um, first edition books. And so I had to do research on that. And I used my um, uh, interviewing skills to interview someone who dealt in rare books. And I was able to carve a, a story out of it. Um, another book, another one of the Swan books has to do with the, um, the movie industry. So I studied that. Uh, so it gives me an opportunity to learn do things. And uh, there are crimes like fraud. Um, I have one swan, Eric, where someone comes to hire him. It's a young guy who went to visit his girlfriend. And when he gets to her apartment, not only is she gone, but the apartment is totally empty. There's no furniture. There's nothing in it. And he comes to Swan to help him find the, the girl. Well, no crime has been committed except the crime of a broken heart. That's what right. a broken heart. And so he hires Swan to find his what happened to his girlfriend, why she left, why she disappeared. Um, so it, it gives me this opportunity to to write about more to me more interesting crimes than just murder. Uh, that would be kind of um, boring for me to do to set up a murder for each book and have um, have some, someone solve it. I understand now. With your Swan series, with that, can I pick it up in anywhere, any order, read it in any way, or is it set up to where book one, two, and three, you get information from one that you need to know in two? How's your book set up on that sense? It's, that's a really good question because I purposely wrote each one as if they were a standalone. So, uh, and remember, the first Swan was written 25 years before the second. <laughs> because it's that in my drawer. Right. So, um, so I became a better writer, I think, and I knew more. And so, but I always, uh, I didn't want people to have to do that, is to go to the first one. So you can really 
read them in, in any order. He's a skip tracer. And the reason he's a skip tracer is it's the lowest form of detective. They find people who skipped on their bills. And I actually interviewed in my magazine days um, a guy by the name, I think his name was Sidney Weinstein. And Sidney was a skip tracer. And so I knew all about the profession. And I thought this would be a perfect profession to use in a, in a series of, of crime novels. All right. Now, you've written another, there's another series of crime novels as well, if I'm not mistaken, from other than Swan, correct? Well, I don't think what you're alluding to is technically it may be considered a series. I, I don't. Um, in a book called Second Story Man, I introduced the world to um, a master burglar named Francis Hoyt. And I wrote the book, and I, it was nominated for Seamus. It won a Beverly Hills Book Award. But I had no intention of ever um, revisiting that character. It was a standalone. Um, and then after I finished another book that I wrote after it called Canary in the Coal Mine, I started thinking about Hoyt, what happens to him when the other book ends. And I thought, you know, uh, the only way I'm going to find out is to write it, is to write a book with him in it and set him like one year after the second story man ends. So I, I can I call it a continuation rather than a series. But he's he's a horrible person, Eric. I mean, he's <laughs> you know, he's uh, not only is he a thief, but he's he's manipulative. He's you know, he's got all these. But people loved him for some reason. And so. I wrote this other book, which just came out, Man on the Run, and people have been writing me that they um, they didn't want the book to end, and they um, they want it to be a series. And one guy even wrote me a, a, a potential plot for the third one. <laughs> so I don't know if I'll do another one, um, but that's the closest I've come to a, a, a series. All right. So what is it about this guy that you say makes him such a horrible person, but people love him? I mean, is there a specific thing that pe people tell you that they like about him? They like his plan. You know, when you start writing and, and maybe even beyond starting to write, editors or agents or readers will say, I, I don't like this character. I, I don't. And my, And a lot of writers feel the same way I do. I don't care if you like the character or not. He may or she may not be very likable. I right. just want you to be interested in the character. I want you to be to want to read about this character, um, kind of an anti-hero, whatever it is. So I'm not there to make him likable. I'm there to make him real. And there's something, as it turns out, there's something compelling about this guy um, who... For him, there are no rules. The only rule is to win, to be the best. And he will do anything to be the best. And I think there's a part of, of people who understand that. And you know, in, in proper society, there are limits to what you can do. But mm -hmm. if you want something bad enough, you may have to you know, go over the line. And so maybe that's what people like about him. Um, he is a, a, appalling because he will do things. He's a very, you know, he comes from a horrible background. And I actually, um, I modeled him after two real life um, burglars. One was called the Dinnertime Bandit. And he only struck houses during dinner time when people were home. 
And can you guess why he, what his theory was there? If they were at home, they would be distracted by eating is the only thing I can imagine. That's right. But all the valuables would be there. If they weren't out, they weren't, they didn't take their expensive watch or their jewelry, everything that was there. And they would be downstairs. These were two story homes that he would hit. And he was a, a cat burglar. And so he would climb up the side of the building. And while they're downstairs eating dinner, he robbed the, the house. He was one. And the second guy was a, a, a guy by the name of Blaine Nordahl. And he was, there was an essay in the New, York, New, York, New Yorker magazine about him. He was called the silver thief. He only stole high-end silver. And he was so good that he was never caught in the act. That's, that's how good he was. So I took those two real-life burglars and I put together some stuff about them about their um, modus operandi, and I created um, Hoyt. And the reason I created and wanted to write something like that is, um, I have a thing, I I think this country is obsessed with winning and coming in first. Mm -hmm. Um, Remember, we had a president who was going to have all these wins. And I wanted to know, I wanted to figure out what the downside of that is, you know, that winning at all costs. And so I created a character who's like that, who, who, who will do anything to win and try to um, understand that mindset and the downside of, of that kind of um, thinking. And that's how I created uh, Francis Hoyt. All right. So in this story, is he a burglar in the story as well? or Yes. Where, and what type of crimes is he I mean, does he just do the burglars? Does he, is he on the run? Is he against other burglars? What's the premise of the story in the sense? Okay, the premise of the story is that um, he, he um, and this is true of the high-end burglars, during mm-hmm. the winter, he would move down to Florida and he would steal down there, burgle, you know, breaking the houses down there because... That's where the wealthy were during the winter. Right. Summer, come back up to um, the New York area, New York, Connecticut, um, New Jersey, because people were back here for the summer. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the book starts when he's leaving Florida to come to, to the Northeast. So it's now like May. And at the same time, Two law enforcement people, one is uh, a guy by the name of Charlie Floyd, who is a Connecticut state investigator. He teams up with a Miami Cuban-American cop uh, by the name of Manny Perez. And Manny has had run-ins with Hoyt when he's down in Florida, hasn't Mm -hmm. been able to catch him. And actually, when the book starts, he's been um, suspended from the force for something he did. So he teams up with Floyd. He comes up to the Northeast, to Connecticut, where Floyd is based, and they together um, pool their resources to try to bring um, Hoyt to justice. So that's that's the, um, the setup for the book. And each chapter is told by one of those three people. But the book keeps going forward. It's not a Rashomon kind of thing where they tell a chapter about the same event. So the book moves through um, two or three months. 
while okay. he's up north, while these two people are these two law enforcement people are trying to catch him. So that's the setup of, of the book of that one. The second, the second one, the one that's out now, then on the run, picks him up a year after he's escaped from any kind of uh, uh, conclusion. He's, he's, he walks out of court without mm-hmm. you know, when no one's looking. And so I wanted to know, so in the book that, that opens with um, Man on the Run, he has now reclo- relocated to California. Had to leave the, the East Coast because he's too well known. And he's there. And it's what happens to him there. What, what, and and the, the motivating factor of that book is that um, during the pandemic, I got hooked on podcasts, mm-hmm. like yours, or <laughs> mostly true crime. Right. And, uh, I was really impressed with what you guys do. Um, especially the true crime ones, because it's a form of journalism. And it's mm-hmm. a long form, because a lot of them are, are um, 10 parts. And so I thought, what if there's a podcaster who's going to do a story, uh, a series on Hoyt, and Hoyt finds out about this, what would he do? And that's, you know, that's, that's the way writers usually start. They, it's, if, if this happened, what would of it? So that's right. the setup for the third book is, um, and, and also thrown into it is someone hires him to, um, to, to break into, a, uh, I'm not going to tell you what, because it's a, it's a little bit different. He has to break in someplace and liberate the, um, the loot for the mob. He, he would be working for the mob. Uh, so those, that's the setup of the new one. All right. So which one do you... I guess, which one do you think is the most enjoyable, in your opinion, between Swan and, is it, I keep wanting to say Floyd, but Floyd was the cop. Right, Hoyt. Hoyt, yes. Between Hoyt and Swan, which ones do you find, do you go back and read them and find enjoyment out of them still, or? I, I never reread my books. Um, uh, I haven't yet. I, I'm tempted sometimes. Um, <laughs> I ended the Swan series after five, um, not because I didn't like him, but I thought, you know, I don't want this to go stale. I, I, I don't have anything new to say about him because he, he grows in every book. And, right. Um, and Hoyt, it's the same with the other character, too. Charlie Floyd is the um, the, the former... Connecticut State Investigator, and he appears in the second book, too. Manny Perez doesn't. Um, if, if I'm enjoying writing the characters, if they're interesting to me, I'll keep writing them. And right. it's not impossible that I might not write another Swan book, but right now I sort of... And Swan's very different. The book is very different. I think there's a little bit more humor in um, the Swan books, because uh, he's a very different kind of character. So it's really hard to say which one do I enjoy more. I, I guess I'm, I enjoy the one that I'm working on now. It's the best way to, to say it. And I'm afraid if I go back and read them, I'll see all kinds of mistakes or differences <laughs> that I would have, would have changed, you know. And, and so I, I try not to. But it, it will, one day I will. I'll, I'll go back and read one of the swans and see if I just <laughs> enjoy it. Understandable. So what are you working on now? What is coming up or can you not say yet? I can certainly say. Um, and this is sort of an insight into how I work. If there's something that interests me or puzzles me, um, 
I find that writing about it helps me understand it better. And I've always been um, kind of fascinated by ESP and that kind of world, that psychic world. Right. So I created a character who is, he has, a, he has ESP, but only one person in the world knows he has it. And he's a little afraid of it. He doesn't use it. He's uh, because it makes him stand out. It makes him different. And he's very uneasy with it. And one day, the only person in the world who knows he has this ability is his best friend. And his best friend approaches him one day and says that his college-age daughter is missing. Will he help find her using this power, gift, whatever? And mm-hmm. so that's the setup for the one I'm working on now. Um, I don't even have a title that I'm happy with yet. <laughs> so, um, so it's and I'm about halfway done. If I can get myself to sit down and write, um, that's my biggest problem is uh, getting myself to sit in front of the computer. Oh, trust me, I understand. I'm. I have three books going that I'm trying to write right now, and. I'm doing each one in a different way just so that I can say, okay, if I'm not going to do it this way, I do it this way. So just getting there to do it is always a challenge. So I understand but the, that. But it's a great excuse not to write, <laughs> Eric, because you can say, I don't know which one to write on today. I don't, you know, I'm not good. And you can, you know, the, you can always find excuses. Um, you know, but you, you just, can. Yeah. But the books don't get written if you find the excuses. Thank God I'm a fast typist. I can <laughs> 90 words a minute. And I can focus on those rare occasions when I do sit down in front of the computer. I, I actually can focus and write. Well, that's always a good thing, too. So what, I guess, what type of person do you expect to really dig into your series or your books that you have out there right now? That's, that's a really good question, too, because I was on a panel um, a year or so ago at, with a bunch of other writers, and someone asked the question, um, are you, are you, when you write, do you have your audience in mind, and are you afraid of alienating that audience or um, disappointing that audience? And my initial re- answer to that question was, I'm not, I don't think of myself as popular enough to have an audience, <laughs> uh, you know, so I, how can I disappoint them if I, I don't know who they are? Right. And, so, and, and most writers will tell you, it's for some, there, there are writers who are totally aware of their audience and right. they're, they're totally aware of what they can get away with and what they can't get away with, with that audience. Mm-hmm. And so they write to that audience and that's fine. Uh, um, but I, for me, and a lot of my friends who write, the audience is, is me, is I want to write the kind of book that I would like to read. And so I guess I, there is an audience, but it's, but it's me. Um, and, and, and in writing in that way, I can't really disappoint anyone because <laughs> I'm not trying to, um, to satisfy them. So for me, that's, uh, uh, and it's actually a good thing. So if I had to worry about, Am I going to offend anyone or, or are they going to like this character? I'm not sure I would continue to write. I would just be so uh, paralyzed by, by, that, by those fears. So that's, that's my answer there is I'm the audience. All right. Makes sense. And trust me, I understand that all too well as well. So you've also written in some anthologies, if I'm thinking correctly. Do you 
how did you actually enjoy those? What was the process there? Or not process, but what type of stories did you yeah. write into those anthologies? Well, I never was a big short story writer, but I got a call one day from a friend of mine who was an ed- she was uh, she's a writer, but she was editing a book of short stories um, for uh, a series called um, it, it, this one was Long Island Noir. And she called me up and she said, do you have any crime stories that take place in Long Island? And I said, sure. I did not. I had no <laughs> story. But it, it goes to what we started this conversation with is never saying no. And I sat down and I wrote a short story using Henry Swan because I had had two Swan books out by then in the short story. That short story got into the um, anthology and it also wound up being the first chapter of the next Swan. Um, And so if people ask me to write short stories, I will. And I I like it. And it's, it's so much... You know, a novel can take a year or more. Right. I can write a short story in less than a week, um, mm-hmm. you know, if I, if I concentrate. And so I have one out now. It's actually, the book is, is nominated for an award. The book is called um, Lawyers, Guns, and Money. And all the short stories in it are based on Warren Zevon songs. And I chose the song, um, uh, uh, the... Um, Irritable Boy, um, and he, um, I wrote a story about uh, a school-age kid who is um, on the edge of uh, doing one of those kill it, you know, like shootings in school. He doesn't do it, but he's on the edge. And that book was just nominated for an Anthony Award. All right. And um, it's the only time, believe me, I'll ever be nominated for an Anthony Award because it's kind of a popularity <laughs> Right. Or people vote on it. Um, so if I win, uh, I will um, proudly say that I'm the winner of an Anthony, even though I'm only <laughs> one of 12 people in that book. Hey, um, an award's an award. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so what after do you have anything more planned that you're looking at doing after the one you're writing now? Or what do you do you have any expectations of or is it just let's throw caution to the wind and see what comes out? More like that. I mean, it might even be that I do another Hoyt book. I, I don't know. Um, I never I never like to plan that far ahead because I want to concentrate on what. And I'm not, uh, you know, I, I'm not a big idea man. You know, a lot of writers will have, like, oh, I want to write a book about this or this or that. I, I go from one to the, to the next. Um, but I'm always sure that something will, will arise. I, I will get some idea, whether it's a standalone. And, and sometimes it's just an, an incident um, that will kind of spark an idea in, in me. Um, so I, I try not to worry. I, I also, I think I write like every book's going to be my last um, because I'm never sure if I'm going to be able to pull one off again. So, uh, you know, I have enough neuroses and enough anxiety <laughs> So I don't want to give myself any more, like, what am I going to do next? Um, but by the time I finish the one I'm working on now, I will have an idea of what I want to do next. Well, it sounds perfect. So I don't want to take up all your time today. I can probably dig into a lot of your different books that you've written, 
get into each story much, much deeper, I imagine. But if anything, when your next book comes out, I want you to come back on so we can discuss that some more. And with that, I have a pro. Can I just add one thing, Eric? Certainly. Yeah. I accidentally fell into a community, the prime writing community, that right. has changed my life. I mean, usually you don't make new friends, you know, over the age of 40 or 50. Right. They have been so welcoming. And some of my best friends now are prime writers. And as a matter of fact, during the um, pandemic, five of us Zoomed every Monday night. And we got so close that we still Zoom even after the pandemic every other Monday night. And that's Reed Farrell Coleman, Matt Goldman, uh, Tom Straw, and Michael Wiley. And uh, I just wanted to get that out there in terms of how it can change your life writing something that you had no idea would. It it got me into this community. Um, And they're very welcoming and terrific people and interesting people, too. Well, one thing I will definitely say about the writing community and the authors, especially the ones I've spoken with here on Author Blurb, is that they're great people. Generally, I think out of everyone I've ever interviewed, there's only been one show I've interviewed and never aired just because the person and their content was, well, I'm not going to go into that, but, but generally, I'm happy to say everyone I've spoken with, I feel, is a great person, very interesting with a lot of facts. And I've met even, I've written crime, like a noir kind of small town crime fiction. And even the authors and things I've met through that have been interesting people and very welcoming. So, yeah, I can see that. Very supportive. I mean, I've approached people for blurbs, you know, some of them I knew, but some of them I didn't know well. And I've, I've never been turned down. So it's, it's a good point to make. And I'm glad you had a, a similar experience with, with writers. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I find writers to be some of the, because who else is, is crazy enough to think of a whole new world right. and, and put it on paper? Right. And good luck with your books, too, Eric. And, and keep <laughs> me posted with them, too. That I definitely will do. If you do. have any questions, you, you know, not even on air, just, just write me. I'd be happy to answer if I can. Trust me, I'd be definitely appreciative of that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to definitely be reaching out to you and I'll be watching you closely to see when your next book's coming out. Like I said, I'd love to have you on for you to discuss that book alone. So with that being said, I'm going to end the conversation for everyone else. You have a profile on authorblurb.com where I have all your links to your website, to your social medias. You gave me information about you that people can read. But where do you prefer if somebody wants to reach out to you? Say somebody like me was trying to find how to get you on the show, kind of like what I did. Where do you prefer people to go? Uh, I don't really care. I mean, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter, but I don't really pay much attention to, to Twitter. I, I like right. Or my through my website. Or just I get emails, you know. I, um People should not be afraid to, to just write me. Uh, uh, you know, they can find my email really easily uh, on the web. But, um, uh, you know, I, I, I like interacting and I like helping people and I still teach. So um, uh, pretty much anyway, people are pretty savvy now about how to track you down. Um, right. Add that too. So 
Uh, I don't really have a preferred way. Any any way you want to reach me is fine. Sounds perfect. So, like I said, I have your website, plus your website's in the show notes as well. So anybody that wants to just click there to go to your website, they have that option. And I believe all your social medias are listed there as well, as well as on my profile I have for you. Right. So and the Charles, website is really fun, isn't it, Eric? Because there are oh, it is. goes on it and there's interaction. I didn't do any of that. I have a friend <laughs> But it's kind of a fun website to go to. I found it fun. I found it interesting and well-designed, easy to maneuver, and definitely been able to detect. I like how you have your books listed on there. So whoever did it did an amazingly she nice did. job for it. So Fran Rizzo, I'll give her a plug. She was terrific. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Fran did a fantastic job. Uh, thank you so much for this, Eric. It was fun, and I really appreciate it, too. Well, like I said, I appreciate you being here. I've enjoyed the conversation, and I'm definitely looking forward to talking with you again. If you can hold on for me for just a second, we'll talk some more. Okay, sure. You can go to authorblurb.com, where there's plenty of stuff there for you to find. Enjoy another author. Enjoy finding that book that you love. So take the time. Do me a favor. Share. Subscribe. Enjoy the show and tell others. Thank you.